Hi, soul friends. Thanks to you, we are building a beautiful community. We hope you find our conversations interesting and helpful. If you do, you can help us by liking the podcast, sharing it with friends, and following it for updates. Click on like, share, and follow on your podcast platform, and we will continue to meet you here in this beautiful space with our conversations and our guests. So let's get to our episode. In this episode, we explore beautiful boredom, because there are energetic costs to the return to life as we knew it before the pandemic. There are costs to doing too much beyond our ability to stay regulated. It's like writing a check that overdraws our energetic account and withdraws too many of our energetic coins, leaving us in an energy debt. Whereas beautiful boredom is a respite from all of that. It's an invitation to explore our inner world. It's our quiet moments where creativity can blossom. A chance to reconnect with our original self and dream without boundaries. So let's have a listen together, friends. Enjoy. My friend was telling me about, I think it was a TED Talk that he listened to, and he was talking, he's extroverted, but he was talking about how extroverts, they it's like, like a coin bank of energy. They get up in the morning and they have lots of coins and they want to give their coins to all the people. And every time they encounter a person, that person gives them one of their coins, right? It's like a coin. It's like a coin exchange, but extroverts come filled in the morning Mm -hmm. with coins and introverts apparently come with like five coins. (laughs) And so they, they're very selective about who they give a coin to mm. and I when they that. give their coins out. Yeah. And that makes sense. I know. I just feel like, but the older I get, the less coins I have, mm. even because I think I, I have a lot of coins, but I still feel like I, and I, and I get drained. I don't replenish, I guess, as easily. That's so true. I notice that just energy sensitive in general it depends on my group. So I can go into in a place, especially in my own home where I can kind of, you know, I can set the vibration. I feel like it's filled with kind of love and I clean it regularly. I cleanse it, you know, um, and I try and keep it an open, um, clean mm. vessel. Let's call it, I kind of call it. And I find that when I'm around certain friends that are of a, like a vibration level, it's a different, it's a different thing. I don't have to set the space. Like, like kind of like when we come together mm-hmm. in the pod, it's like, and then this is not about anyone above or below, but there are different frequency levels that people are operating at. And I remember um, back in the days when I was training out of a gym, but if I was the first one in the gym, which I usually was in the morning, especially when I was running some of the spaces, I could set the tone no matter who came in there. Whereas if I would start later on and someone else had been in the gym to begin, and this could be like, I trained at a hotel gyms as well. So this could have been like guests or it could have been, you know, other trainers, their clients. Um, But I couldn't do anything about their energy levels or it took me a longer time to kind of get that space into that really um, welcoming kind of uh, equilibrium within the physical space. And, you know, we know this, that we, you know, the higher we vibe within ourselves, and this is kind of part of the ascension part of the spiritual journey is the vertical column versus the horizontal column Mm -hmm. timeline that we live in, in, you know, the 
our everyday life. Um, mm-hmm. This vertical column, the higher we are up that ladder, the more we can actually bring people along with us. Whereas when we're when we're and when we're not stable or grounded within ourselves, we're more apt to get pulled down and feel ungrounded by some of those those lower frequency energies. Wow, yeah, that is so true. I noticed that with um, physical exertion, in my case, um, renovating a home um, that is beyond my skill set. So like, it's not just physical, it's brain, like learning things, like how to do things. And it's been like, so physically and mentally demanding that my coins, like you refer to Megan, I love that reference, are not only withdrawn, I'm like, borrowing coins from anywhere I can get them. Like I'm being charged credit card interest. (laughs) Yes. Don't you love the idea of like the cost that that actually takes on the toll that it takes on your body, on your relationships, on It takes the cost of of my joy is actually what it does because it's combined with the care of my mother and my work, which the nature of my work, if I don't, deposit my own coins back with connection to the universe i'm i'm in a place of a deficit and it's very like and i felt that the last um well since i helped move my mom into assisted living and 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 helped her declutter her home and sell her home and just there was so much that i was i still am in a deficit and i'm still catching up and i think it's important to just be honest with that in midlife that it's okay to be in a deficit because there's so much responsibility at this stage of or there it can be to have a really full life means there's tons of responsibility which means there will be phases of uh depletion is there something sorry. going on sorry. About, like is there humping I'm going sorry. on about, what's going on <laughs> I, like, I, I was like there's like a <laughs> I heard that and then I realized <laughs> Hey, Mookie! Sorry, this is like the Whistler dogs and everything going on. Speaking of depletion. So anyways, okay, let's, okay, dial back yeah. to depletion. depletion. Yes. Well, I feel it's important to normalize, to normalize the depletion that can happen in midlife because we have so many responsibilities. Like all of my kids are young adults. They still need a lot of my support and energy and financial support, which requires my energy, right? Totally. Us in midlife, we're straddling, taking care of elderly aging parents with all their health stuff and all their financial things. Like when I moved my mom and all the the costs of selling her home and and just the cost, like health costs too. And, And then that has a cost on our energy. And the withdrawal of our coins, I just love this theme for our, for our podcast. Yeah goes into a deficit. I would say it's, it's helpful to normalize the deficit, the energetic deficit that we are in. And when I normalize it, I can actually bring joy back into my life. It like, when I do that, it allows me to have humor in my relationship again, where I can joke around with Dario and we can joke about the sometimes shitty circumstances. Yes. Bring some humor into it. Even joke about it with my kids, even when they're the subject of the joke. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> and it just it helps bring a bit of levity into this intense, you know, deficit Time. stage of life that it can be. Yeah. I so many people are just have a lot of things going a lot Mm -hmm. of different they're going in a lot of different directions Mm -hmm. like you guys are talking about with the sandwich generation 
the kids, different ages, different stages, just what's happening in the world, yeah. fear, um, the news, social media. I mean, like it just, our attention is just going all in all these different directions and then our energy goes with it. Unless we do something to counteract. And I do fight that. Yeah. I don't know. Like, do we, do we just want to try to do it all? Do we want to try, like, we want to be helpful. Mm -hmm. We want to be contributing to our society. We want to be in service to people. We want to do all these things, but it is right now feels very draining. Well, and I, I'd always wonder too on that, like, so what's the why behind it? Like when we feel this call to do all of the things and is, is it like, what's driving that? Is it that, you know, perfectionist nature within ourselves that hasn't been looked after that we feel like we have to have everything, all the ducks in a row. Mine, mine are never in a fucking row. They're all scattered all over the sidewalk. They're like, <laughs> they're like one's walking here, one's walking there. Whether it's actually, um, we want that for ourselves or we just want to project that out to the world that we can do mm -hmm. all of these things. But is it better to do that and spread ourselves really, really thin, both, you know, mentally and physically? Or what if we like just scale back? And I think what we're seeing too is remember conversations during the pandemic where everyone was like, oh, wow, like how many parents out there were like, this is so great. This slower pace is good for my kids. It's good for me. We're not overscheduled driving here and there all the time. Yet we've yeah. returned back to a society that is full on and yeah, it's, on. and it's exhausting for everybody, especially if you're not managing your energy. Yeah. And I, you bring up a really good point, Dana, because the, um, the, the swing of the pendulum of, uh, how we, you know, spend our energetic coins during COVID was forced upon us to, um, kind of regroup and come back into our immediate surroundings. And because it was forced, it wasn't personally chosen. Yeah. Many now took the swing of the pendulum to the other side to be pro-social again without their own like grounding boundaries yes. uh, because of the f a sense of a void from missing out from the pandemic. And so it just kind of shows that when something's not chosen um, and it's forced upon you, then the lesson might be lost. <laughs> Totally. Uh, yeah. If it's not chosen versus yeah. there were families that, that and individuals that experienced a benefit and then mm -hmm. they kind of redesigned their lives because of the pandemic. And I'll speak to like this tendency to overbook. Um, I know mm -hmm. from my conditioning being raised by a, um, a tiger mom, when my kids were little, I just unconsciously, without even realizing I was doing it, I just replicated the pattern of essentially at its core, it's like validating worthiness through production. Yes. Worthiness I think all of society production. does, right? Yeah. And it, and I had it on a kind of extreme level. Fortunately, un, I unlearned that pattern when they were in middle school and high school and the divorce really had me unlearn it. Like I, my pendulum swung to the other side, but intentionally, because I was yeah. choosing to like unlearn my programming. And that was a blessing. Like it, it just, it had me have a completely new relationship with my kids. Interestingly, I can recognize my internal tendency and habit to want to go there, but it's, it, it's just because conditioning, I think stays with us for life, but when you can recognize it, you don't have to be it. When you can see it, you don't have to be it. I'm like, oh, hello, old conditioning. There's the, it's like I get these uh, constrictions in my chest or 
kind of body sensations of like, oh, I should be different than what I am. And then it's like, oh, no, no, I don't need it. It's like, it's like you hold your breath and like, and then, oh, right. I remember ah, there's a release back into, <laughs> yeah, just being totally. this again. It's interesting because I, I, was, I was listening to you when you were talking about the pandemic and I almost feel like a resistance. So when you talked about permission to be tired, you know, this is really an exhausting time mm-hmm. when you're juggling kids and parents and all the things. But on the flip side is like, for me, there's a bit of resistance to all that productivity. I was one of those people who really enjoyed having a smaller group, mm-hmm. um, yeah. less on my schedule. And then when everything opened up again, I felt, you know, because now I know like the other side of it is to feel rested, is to set boundaries, is to, and so I feel like in this stage right now, everything kind of opened up and it was, it was kind of gradual, but then once everything opened up, it went like everybody went, Ooh, I'm traveling. I'm doing this. I'm back in here. I'm doing all the sports and all the activities and all the work. And I'm catching up. It was almost like I'm catching up for missed time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so that even put us into a deeper sense of overwhelm. Mm. And and now I think there's a lot of people who are feeling this drain. Yes. And and so I'm responding to that kind of resistance by setting hard boundaries. A girl. Yeah. And so I've been doing that probably the last six months. And that in and of itself is draining. You get pushed back, right? Yeah. So I've realized that boundaries are really, really important to me and important for my conservation of my energy to honor myself and the inner peace that I so desire. Mm. And I have to, because we are just in too much, like this, this level of performance and productivity and overstimulation. Yeah. Big time overstimulation. Yeah. Overstimulation. Yeah. I mean, like my kids, you know, with online and mm-hmm. I'm watching the kids just mm-hmm. talk about having no boundaries. These kids have no boundaries. Yeah. Like online. We've talked about that before. And the only place our youth are going to learn how to set boundaries is, is by their parents. Yes. By their parents yeah, right. showing yeah. them what it looks like. It is hard, but it is it is like a survival skill. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Setting boundaries. You're so bang on with the age that your kids are, Megan, and younger. In in my coaching profession, we're anticipating, we already see it, but like an extreme rise in, ex- in anxiety in the next two decades when this generation grows up and becomes adults and tries to adult in the, in the real world with the um, conditioning that they will have experienced with an online world that has no boundaries and is overstimulating constantly. And the online world is designed to um, engage them as economic contributors. So it's everything's like really it's curated like, by the yeah. 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 Curated. Yeah. yeah. And not in a not in a healthy way. And I I love this yeah. is again one of the many things I love about Ayurveda too is that we look at all of these things that we take in 
as part of the digestive process. You know, in our Western world, we think about digestion as part of like the food and the nutrients that we're taking in. But the reality is we have receptors of things that we're taking into our either consciously or subconsciously that have to get processed. And so interestingly, fun fact, this stuff actually gets processed at night. And this is the importance of actual sleep and circadian rhythm, because this process happens between about 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. It's called our pitta time mm. where we so pitta mm. rules um, agni, which is kind of what we call digestive fire. And so that's our traditional digestion. There's also seven other um, agnis that are within the physical body, according to Ayurveda. And these experiences, um, anything that we kind of go about our day in the mental world um, has to get processed in these evenings hours. And so if we, we chinks on our sleep a little bit, we often don't get the opportunity to process this while yeah. we're sleeping. Um, you, of course, yeah. can process stuff in real time, too, through some of the other tools we use. But I feel like this is what gets so lost right now in yeah. this bombardment from mm-hmm. media is that yeah. everything, every movie, every trailer, every, um, you know, game, you're, it's, it's all coming in. And it's and if it's not getting looked at, um, these accumulate as what we call ama, which is toxin, and toxins mm-hmm. in the body. Sludge. And I think, yeah, exactly. And that's literally what it is. And that's why often it affects our entire bodies and minds. And I think what scares me a lot with some of these um, these trends in not only the technology and the speed that it's getting processed within you know us and the world around us, there's fascinations with these games that have violence. And at young mm. ages, can you differentiate between what's real and what's not? We've mm. got you know kids that ha- are in this tr- this trend of um, horror movies apparently are trending huge for young people. And you know what is this? What is this like? What are they processing as a young age? I remember being 14 years old and I was, I think might've been even 13 actually. And my sister, we'd watch, this is back in like um, the beta days and VHS days. And we'd rented a, a beta machine from the local video store. Um, <laughs> I remember. Blockbuster. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't even think it was that at the time. It was the little one in West Van. Yeah, it was before, like, so, before. Yeah, totally. Yeah. The chains. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And we rented one because we didn't, my parents yeah. didn't have the money to buy one. So we would rent one once in a while for, you know, a couple and my sister was a couple of years older and she was into the the horror movies. And so we ended up watching uh, not Kruger? Freddy Krueger, not Krueger. Oh. Um, no, what's oh. the, oh, Jason, the, um, the hockey, oh, yeah. um, Friday the 13th, Friday the oh, 13th. Friday, okay. So that was the first time I'd watched that. I was always really sensitive to like violence and stuff like that too. So I have not done well with oh that. God. Well, like that just scared the shit out of me forever. And I've like sworn off horror movies. I don't watch, I really don't watch news media unless I have to, because mm-hmm. I find I have a heart. Mm-hmm. I learned a long time ago that that stuff really is really hard for me to process. Yeah. And of course, Ayurveda yeah. actually helped me understand why it was so hard. Why? Anyhow, that was a long way of saying I like, I'm really concerned about Mm-hmm. what kind of content our young people are being exposed to too. Yeah, like subconsciously they're they've taken it in, but what are they actually doing with that information? And what on the flip side, like we all know now that we have to balance, like counter balance what we receive, mm-hmm. right, from the world and then we go into our healing practices and we 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 learn how to rest and digest and to recover. But are the youth doing that? What I've observed is that um, the horror movie example is a great example because um, 
when their nervous systems are already saturated with a lot of stimulation, it takes more stimulation to get a response and to feel something. It's kind of like drugs and alcohol, right? Yeah, yeah I want more, like I want their, more, I want more. Their, their baseline, well, it's actually not even wanting more. It's just the baseline to feel because their nervous systems are so stimulated already with technology that they, there's a consistent background activation going on that it takes more to feel something. So we're kind of living in this, especially for our kids, we're, they're living in this consistently activated nervous system state mm-hmm. that is seeking feeling, seeking feeling, but it takes a lot more because of the exposure, you know, that's already inherent in their lives because our kids live overstimulated lives. Some of the things I notice in, in when I'm working with clients too is encourage, especially the ones that have got, you know, kids in all of the things. And yeah. not only are the parents like running on empty because they're going yeah. between this and that, but the kids are running on empty and remembering that like, we're the parent for a reason. And just because your kid wants to do all of the activities doesn't mean that's healthy for them. Giving downtime, time to be bored, cutting Mm -hmm. something out of the schedule, or just say, even taking a day and saying, you know what, all activities canceled, we're going to hit the park, or we're just going to have a home day or like, whatever that is. And I think that's something that like this overachieving, overdoing kind of society needs too. is like, as parents, no, you don't Mm -hmm. get to go today. Yeah. And, and, right, and sitting exactly. with that, right. Cause our kids, we often, yeah. you know, we, we often cave in for multiple reasons, you know, um, but really yeah. being firm in those boundaries. Yeah, exactly. Parenting is exhausting. So like in yeah. our generation, you know, parent, you know, in our generation, TV could be the babysitter. Whereas for our kids yeah. generation, internet uh, uh, and games is the, is the babysitter. What happened to getting kids outside exploring yeah. the real world? Mm-hmm. The real world, because when they're not exploring the real world, they're exploring an online world that has yeah. as much danger, if not more. Yeah. We, somehow we've, we we seem to think that the online world isn't as dangerous as the real world. I'm like, it is more. <laughs> so dangerous. I, I love that point of being bored. Mm-hmm. I actually just had this conversation with my husband because I, my son is an athlete Mm -hmm. and plays hockey and does all the things. And when we're, when we're away it's summer right now and we're at the lake right now, that's where Mm -hmm. I'm calling in from. And I said to my husband, the greatest joy that I feel when I'm here is watching my kids sit at the lake and catch minnows Mm -hmm. with their hands. Mm -hmm. They're catching them with their hands because their hands are big enough now, Mm -hmm. right? They don't need the net. They can, but they're literally just looking at the shoreline, Mm -hmm. looking for little minnows for hours. So beautiful. (laughs) That focus, that presence is what we as adults, what we try to find in meditation, Mm -hmm. what we try to find when we go on our forest walks, where, I mean, that's what forest therapy is, is like literally bringing people into a very present embodied moment with nature to your point about this is what boredom looks like. The wonderment of a child. (laughs) To your point, Megan, I noticed that with my kids that my eldest is an extreme athlete with surfing and the way his nervous system regulates is he'll go hard, hard, hard 
because his sport is really or energetically exhausting yeah. and challenging. And there's lots of life threats within that, that you, mm-hmm. you have to be aware for safety. Yeah, he can't not yeah. be present in his role. That, that's, that's, exactly. that's where actually I think a lot of sports can be really great for that because they do yes. take people so focus. into the moment, right? Yeah, that's intense true. focus. But then in order to recuperate from that, his downtime is extreme like boredom in the sense of like nothingness, no stimulation. And that's healthy for him. And when he's in town with us, he'll like do a backyard bonfire and then just like chill and relax and, and have these periods of nothingness. And so that is, that's a healthy balance for that kind of uh, way of living in the world. Yes. And mine is more like work orientated, intense focus for work. And then the family time is that just kind of like preparing meals, shooting the shit, talking about nothing, sitting in the backyard under the trees, going, you know, Mm. cold dipping in the ocean, you know, giggling, laughing about just nothing. (laughs) (laughs) beautiful boredom oh beautiful boredom (laughs) totally oh my gosh I love that beautiful boredom oh my god that's your book I feel like you have to write that book (laughs) oh my gosh come on come on would you not buy that book right now beautiful boredom that's my favorite term I think that's going to be my favorite term I love it for my my the rest of my life beautiful boredom That's what the world is missing. It's missing. It's so true. Beautiful boredom. (laughs) And being okay with that, right? Yes. Being okay with it. Exactly. In beautiful boredom, something can be created out of a void. Life's treasures don't lie in being constantly busy, but in the joy of being present, aware, and feeling alive. This kind of reflective space can help us feel peace in the chaos of our otherwise fast-paced world. Because it's in these moments that our minds and hearts can find their most profound insights. Thank you to you, dear listeners, for listening into SoulNet. You can find us on Instagram at SoulNet Podcast.